Is Corey still in here that I was praying for earlier? Just, oh, he may have stepped out, but it was really cool. He came down. You know, Mike said we were going to see some healings. He came down, was dealing with tinnitus, uh, was having a hard time even standing down here, but it wasn't hurting as bad as normal, and we just kept praying and praying, and boom. It was just completely gone, all the ringing, all the pain, everything. Yeah, so <laughs> praise God for that. So how's everybody tonight? Yeah? Ready for more snow? <laughs> or at least the moisture, right? <laughs> so I'm so privileged to be here tonight. I know Andrew's done a phenomenal job the last two weeks talking about what's on our mind, you know, the, how our thoughts dictate how we respond to God, and then last week, how we allow God to respond to us. And so uh, um, if you want to put up that first slide, just kind of reiterate a couple of things that he hit on there was watching our thoughts because they become words and our words become actions. Our actions become habits, our habits become character, and our character becomes destiny. So just a very quick refresher on the last two weeks uh, of what Andrew's been talking about with our thoughts. And so tonight I'm going to jump in. We're going to call it What's on Your Mind, Part 3. Uh, and I'm looking at uh, how our thoughts affect the way we serve. How many have ever done public speaking and had to come up with a title? It was like the hardest thing to do on Monday. Usually the title is the easiest thing, and coming up with the message was really hard. So I, I was like, okay, this is great. And then I was thinking about it, uh, I think Monday night or Tuesday morning after the email went out. I was like, have you ever um, told a joke? and you've given the punchline before you actually said the joke. That's how I felt Tuesday morning when I looked at my title. I was like, no, I'm actually going to be talking about serving and servant leadership. I probably should have titled it, How Our Thoughts Affect the Way We Lead. But no, I gave you the punchline. So now you, now you know where we're going tonight. So uh, with that, we're going to jump in. What I'm going to look at is I'm just going to show you some things through Scripture. We're going to throw out some scriptures tonight talking about what servant leadership looks like or being a servant, how God's called us to be that. I think we have a pretty good example that we can look at. Uh, and then towards the end, I'll tie it into how our thoughts affect the way that we lead or the way that we serve. So we're going to just uh, jump right into that. Um, and I said it, of course, we have a great example, and that's being the central theme of the Bible, which is Jesus, our greatest servant. Mark 10, 45, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So when we give Jesus the rightful place as Lord of our lives, his lordship will be revealed in the way that we serve others. A couple of scriptures that talk about that, Mark 9, 35. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, If anyone wants to be first... He must be the very last and the servant of all. And another one in 1 Peter 4, 10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. True leadership, by definition, is servanthood. What does that mean? Servanthood is an attitude that is exemplified by Christ. A great uh, scripture, I didn't give this one to the guys back there, but it's uh, Philippians 2.6 that said, Christ who, 
though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. See, Jesus knew that someday this tiny band of followers that he had going around with him were going to be speaking to large groups of people. So he taught them many lessons, many lessons, many, many, many lessons. Some of them they needed to hear over and over again uh, before he left. So I want to share an example of one of those, and that's going to be Mark. Uh, we're going to read part of the first scripture I did there at the top, but let's go to Mark 10, 42 through 45. And it says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now there's a powerful four-little word phrase buried in the middle of that passage. Did you catch it? Any guesses what that four-word passage might be? Not so with you. It's a great four words that speaks to identity and helps us look at what our true identity is and what our calling is. With these words, Jesus was overturning the value structure of the world at that point in time. Those simple words, not so with you. Yes, the Gentiles lorded over their subjects. They made sure they knew who was boss. And then we have those words, not so with you, not so with me. We have a different destiny. There's American business leaders today who like to influence and lord their power over other people. Not so with us. Not so with you. We've been called to a different purpose. And we have leaders that are seeking power and influence so that they can gain affluence, to gain power, uh, to be able to uh, have more authority for their own benefit or for their own advantage. But I would say again to you, not so with you. You've been called to a different purpose. Probably a good picture that can exemplify some of this might be this that we may have seen before. The Gentiles on the top there might be what we call the boss. And the rest of us are the faithful servants, are the faithful workers that pull him along the way, right? As opposed to being the leader who's out front, leading by example, as Christ did. And we're all following. And we're all part of a team. We're all part of a family. If you have authority or you're in authority as Christian over anyone, we really have to have God's heart to be a servant, to really want to minister to the people that we have in our, quote, sphere of influence or the people that we have the ability to speak into their lives. 
In John's account of the Last Supper, Jesus does something so culturally unexpected, it catches his disciples off guard. In this same way, in John 13, 3, we read, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. In the upper room, as he was preparing to get ready for the cross, he became so acutely aware of his authority that he immediately did what? He humbled himself and he served. Is that not a great example for us? As we look at where we're at in our lives today, the things that we're called to do, the things we feel empowered to do, or that we've been empowered to do sometimes, but do we stop and say, oh, good for me. Look at all the power I've got. Look at how well I've done. Or do we stop and say, wow, thank you, Lord. How can I serve others? There's a great quote John Maxwell says, true leadership must be for the benefit of the followers, not to enrich the leader. Yeah, let that one sink in for a second. And so I would say, and so it should be with us, whenever we realize that we've been given authority on earth, we should tangibly serve others. What does serving do when we have authority? And I'm throwing out different ideas and things to you. These kind of all piece together. There is a little flow to it, so, you know, give it time. But what does serving do when we have authority? I have three examples here for you. It clearly reminds us that our authority that we've been given is not something to which we are entitled or that we've necessarily earned. It's been given. It shows others we're accountable to God who has given us this authority. And it empowers those that we're leading to accomplish great things. Being a servant leader enables others to bring their best every moment and every interaction at work and at home and in their communities. I'm going to say that one again. Servant leaders enable others to bring their best every moment and every interaction at work at home, and in their communities. Do you find yourself feeling like you bring out the best in those around you? Are the words that you speak, the actions that you portray, the things that you do, and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. Uh, I think we all do that. But do, we, do you find yourself ever stepping back and going, oh, man, I missed that one. How could I have encourage that person better to bring out the best as opposed to maybe demean and not always intentionally or cut down or just make them feel like they're inferior or not worthy sometimes. Ephesians 6, it's got a great uh, statement about this. It says, don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do. And I like this part from the message and work with a smile on your face. And anybody that knows me around here knows that I typically have a smile on my face. I at least try that. 
Always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. That's part of our mindset, part of our thought process. We'll tie into that in a little bit, but if we can always keep that in mind, it makes the hardest days that we face pale in comparison to knowing the love of God, the heart of God, and the calling of God that he has on our lives. Now, as Christian leaders, we have a tendency sometimes to over-strategize the word leadership. Sometimes we'll see the benefits of servant leadership, and we allow that to become the reason we serve. We see the benefits, whether it's the accolades, whether it's the recognition, whether it's um, the elevation that we might see in church or the fact that we're a visible leader sometimes, the benefits of those or people uh, that want to gather around us because they feel like, hmm, we've got it all. We've got our act together. We know what we're doing. The power's flowing through us, which it's not us, but, you know, sometimes we think it is. And so we let that become the reason that we serve. And that can be dangerous. No duh, right? <laughs> because a lot of times that'll lead to where we become manipulative. We start to use our position to manipulate others to serve us. We're not bringing out the best in other people. We are trying to use our influence for our own advantage. And we're back to having lost sight of having a true servant's heart. As followers, we can't forget the simple fact that servant leadership isn't a strategy to get good people to follow you or a good habit that you develop over time, although it takes time to develop, to develop it. It's not so with you. Servant leadership is a biblical mandate. God, Christ set the example as he walked through of being a servant leader in everything that he did. He humbled himself. He always stop to serve others above himself. And sometimes we just need to keep in mind that we're servants first and leaders second. God's chosen us, all of us, whether we know it or not, we're all chosen. Just those of us sitting in this room are aware of it tonight, that we've been called and we've been chosen to go out and tell all the people outside this door that they're called and they're chosen as well. And that's how we can serve. Not only must we be strong in doing this work, but we must be strong in our wholehearted devotion to him and remember who we're working for, that he's at work in every situation. He's always present. He's with us. And it's not our power that we're going out and doing this. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. Found a great quote from Stephen Mansfield, written several books, you know, really good in the, the business community. He says this. If a man lives for the glory of God, he stops looking for affirmation from other human beings after every good deed. A pat on the head every time he does his duty. 
Instead, he throws himself into his role unselfishly. He contents himself with knowing he is fulfilling his purpose in this world and pleasing the God who made him. So there's are some thoughts on servant leadership that, I, that I've been looking at and exploring. Probably am not done. Probably can continue to look at more. But I started to look at, okay, how does seeing the examples that I've seen here, the scriptures, the things that talk to me about how I should walk as a servant, how I should model this and how I should be affecting others and loving on others and reaching out to others, how is that, how do my thoughts affect that? How do they affect the way that, quote, I lead or that I, I would say serve? So I came up with three, uh, three different thoughts. Many of us sometimes operate out of a, a mindset or the thoughts that I will title that we're being a slave. And a slave is somebody that's forced to work excessively hard because we're property. We're not a personal, we're not a, a person or a people. Or sometimes a slave feels like they owe something so big, so a debt that they can't pay, that they feel obligated beyond all get out, that they have to continue to serve. We find ourselves striving to do more but a lot of times primarily for the accolades of man, not the eternal promises of our Father. And it's, it's another dangerous mindset, a thought process that we can get ourselves stuck in because we feel like we're not worthy of anything different. And I think when I found myself, I, I wrote down a few words. When I find myself, I think, operating as a slave mentality, or my thought process has gotten stuck in that, is when I find that I'm angry, I'm resentful, I have bitterness, or I have that victim mentality. Those don't sound like the attributes of Christ to me. So then I'm like, your Lord help me. <laughs> right? That's the saving grace and all that is a simple cry. And he's right there with us the whole time. Oh, number two. This is a good one. Many. And I, this will be kind of funny. The church is really good at this one, at this word. If you want to put up that slide, that last, that last one for me. We need volunteers. I think sometimes we have the mindset of a volunteer. Now, backtrack just a second and say being a volunteer is not a bad thing. I'm not using it as a negative connotation for volunteering, but I'm looking at the mindset or the thought process of what a volunteer is. Because what happens when we volunteer? We're not necessarily bought into the vision or we don't feel like we are owners of the vision. We are just there to help out. We feel like, okay, hey, as long as things are good, we're in agreement, we like what's going on, we're here to volunteer. But the second things get rough or hard or we don't like what's being said, hey, guess what? I'm a volunteer. I don't have to be here, right? It's a casual attitude. And volunteers, by all means, 
are awesome things. The word volunteer, the heart behind being a volunteer is a good thing. But if we have that mindset of just, I can come if I want, I can go if I want, doesn't lead to a servant's heart. It leads to brokenness. Or, a couple words that I wrote down for this one. A lot of times, we'll find ourselves dealing with pride, false humility, or we're caught up, we need the recognition of man or his accolades. And that's why we volunteer. It's because we're missing the words that our Father is saying to us, and we're settling for someone else's praise. Sometimes with a volunteer, there can be a degree of separation or non-buy-in to the vision, or we wear the badge of a volunteer so that we can say, hey, look, I helped X achieve Y. Right? Third one, many have operated out of the thought process or the mindset of being a servant. Oh wait, that's what we've been talking about. No, this isn't a trick statement because we've been talking about serving or being a servant at hearts, but if our thought process or our identity is around the definition of what a servant is, we could be in a wrong place. A servant is someone who performs duties for others out of obligation, but we're still missing a piece. They don't always know what the intent of the owner or the intent of the boss is, but they serve. The mindset of a servant is that we are less than a member of the family. Sometimes I only wrote one word down that I could think of when I get in sometimes into the servant mode, which I do with the right intention. But you can get into serving so well. Anybody serve really well? That you get so busy going, going, going that you become a martyr. It's the only word I wrote down. You have that martyr mentality like, by golly, I'm here. And if I'm the only one that vacuums all 56,000 square feet in this building and scrubs the toilets with the toothbrush, I'm going to do it, by golly. Might not be the right attitude with doing it. I love what John 15, 15 says, because when I'm talking about service, I'm talking about the act of service, not the identity of being a servant. But John 15 says it the best way. He goes, Jesus saying, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Go back to we were trying to figure out the title on Monday. Mike happened to be walking by at one point. I was joking with Stephanie, and I said, well, what do you think about um, slave servant volunteer? Which are you? Mike happened to walk by. He goes, none. I'm a son. I'm like, oh, he stole my thunder, because that's exactly where I was going with that. But I love the fact that he already was in tune with 
not a slave. I'm not a servant. I'm not, I'm not a volunteer. I'm a son. Because that's the most important part of our thought process and our identity is we first have to recognize and go back to and remember that we are his sons and daughters. We are heirs. We are joint heirs with him. We're part of his family. And because of that, our heart is to be like the example that Christ has set, that we, are to, we want to go out and serve. We want to go out and love on others. We want to say, hey, yeah. You come up and say, hey, would you, would you pray with Corey over there? Absolutely, because that's my heart. I want to be where God is. And if God's here, so am I. I might be a step behind sometimes. But I'll get there. And so can you, right? So it's easy to, I say it's easy. Can you identify with these labels at times? And get yourselves caught up. I use the example, can't see the forest because of the trees. We get so busy, our thoughts have betrayed what our heart is telling us. We've lost sight of the fact that our identity is as a son and daughter. And this is where the forest for the trees come in. If we allow the circumstances of the day to dictate our thoughts, the enemy is going to use that single tool to continually keep us in a loop of busyness, head-spinning distractedness, and we'll never be able to focus on that simple truth that we're a son and daughter. He can consider you a non-threat factor at that point because you're going to be so consumed with your own thoughts of inadequacy that you become ineffective administering the love of Christ. So our discipleship journey is to become more like Christ every day. And in that process, we understand and value the example of servanthood that Jesus displayed, along with many other attributes that we learn along the way. And it's a journey. It's a process. It's not, yes, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. I want you to be Lord and Savior. And I give you everything. I repent. Boom. I am the best servant today that there's ever been. I've got it all figured out, right? No, it's not, a, it's not an overnight sensation. It's not something that can happen that quickly. It's a daily process, and we see it in the scriptures, daily renewing of your mind. We spend time meditating on the word day and night. We spend time in his presence. We get to know his nature. We get to know his voice. We get to know his touch and his feeling. We have a greater revelation every day that we spend time in the word, we spend time in prayer, and we spend time in worship. Those are the three best ways, and I think we've said it, I don't know how many different ways in so many different messages, but it boils down to the same simple truth, that the more time we spend with him, the more we become like him because we understand who he is, who he is in us, who he is through us, and who he wants to be as we go out, and we're changed. John 15, 12, 13 talks about, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than if he lays down his life for his friends. 
then verse 17, a couple later, says, this is my command, love one another. That to me is a driving factor. If, if I'm going to be a servant, if I'm truly going to follow after him and I'm learning more about his, his nature and his calling on my life and what he, he's asked me to do to empower in this place, because we've titled this a training and equipping place, correct? What did we spend the first part of the year doing? We went through this spiritual boot camp, learning about the, the fruits of the spirit and that we're all empowered to do it. And we've been saying those sitting in the seats right there, you guys are the ministers. We're just here to train and equip you, to release you, to go out and to do the things that you've seen, heard, you've read, you've definitely seen here now in many places. You've been empowered to go and do it. That's a servant's heart right there because the more you fall in love with Christ, the more you begin to see what he sees. And what he sees are the people out there that are hurting and that are in need of his love, that are in need of his touch, that are in need of somebody that cares. And we've all been empowered to do that. As long as we spend time getting our thought process correct and that we're not doing it out of the motivation to serve ourselves, to gratify ourselves, or that because we need some accolade to say, wow, you're good. No, God's already told you you're good. He already told you that he loves you and that he has a plan for you and he has this purpose for you. So we don't need the accolades of man. That's where we, we give in to going back to the big, to the beginning when Jesus said, not so with you. And he's, he's overturning the cultural part of the world at that point where we feel like we have to have that or we let the Gentiles or the, we let whoever's in authority over us rule and reign over us. Yes, they are our authorities, so we do have to submit to them. But it doesn't mean that we can't still be a servant that we still can't love, that we still can't exemplify the attributes of Christ in all that we do. So when I look at, okay, what's the takeaway from this? I start to look at, okay, how do I challenge myself? How do I challenge those that I, that I get to talk to, which is you guys tonight, sorry. But you get this, so we go to, and, and Mike's been doing a great a great job with this every week if you get the weekly advance after the weekend services of being able to see how do we take what we've heard and apply it to our lives. Because to just hear it is great, but if we never apply it, it's wasted knowledge, right? We can sit, we can go to conferences nine days a week. Yeah, I know there's only seven days, but you can probably get nine days worth of conferences in a week. We can hear everything, but if we never take the time to apply it to our lives, we are not doing our due diligence in becoming more like Christ every day and following after him and becoming what he has destined us to be, men and women of God, full of grace, full of mercy, full of power, full of love that can have an impact and turn this world upside down and we can all go home, right? So what's the challenge? Not hard, I think. Three things. Take your personal, your family, and your work life, or your work spheres, you, however you want to phrase that. And evaluate how your thoughts are affecting the way that you lead in those different spheres. You might be the pillar of strength at home. You might be the spiritual leader of your family. Everybody's like, yes. 
and you're home and you do great. You, have, you hear what God's saying. You're able to encourage your wife, your kids, or your husband and your kids, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, you're able to encourage them to grow more into the knowledge of Christ. And then you go to work the next day. And you sit there with that slave mentality that you feel like you, you owe a debt so great that you can't shake that thought process. And you just, the night before, were so strong and you knew exactly what God was saying in your life. But yet the next day you're like, mm, yeah, wouldn't be me. Maybe you're the, pil the pillar at work. You're the person that uh, everybody comes to when there's a problem. Because they know there's something different about you. They know that you carry something that they don't have. Or if, if they're having problems, you're the listening ear. That you're at least going to listen to what they have. You may pray for them. You may just give them words of encouragement. But then you go home. You turn on the TV for five hours and your kids go to bed. You never say anything. You know, and you're not the spiritual leader that you need to be at home. So the challenge is to truly look at. And this is something we should do on on a day-in, day-out basis, this is not like, oh, here you go. Here's something new tonight. This is probably not new information to a lot of you. But we have to take an evaluation. We have to take an assessment of where we're at. And then take the steps that we need to take to correct that. If you become aware of a slave mentality or that you've got the servant mentality, but not the servant heart with your family or at your work. What, what do you do? How do you then rectify that? What, can, what action steps do you need to do? And maybe sit you sit down and you start to write down thoughts of, here are practical things that I can do to make a difference. I know in the workplace can be very hard. I mean, in the church it's not so hard because, you know, we're all perfect and we're all great here. And... Uh, <laughs> We never have to apologize for anything. We never have to ask for repentance. We're in complete unity. Yeah, you know, we never have to worry. But I know out in the real world, no, I'm just kidding. We're not perfect here either, guys. We mess up all the time too. So we have to take an evaluation of where have we missed it? Where have we let our thoughts and our actions get off course from where we're called to be in our own lives, but where we're also called to be as we serve in this place? And that's how you have to evaluate what what you do in your work or in your family and in your home, in your own personal life as well. Sometimes we can't rectify those overnight. Sometimes we've already set an example or we've set um, an impression because we've lost our temper, we've lost, we've said something we shouldn't have, things like that. People are usually quick to forgive and slow to forget. And so we have to work continually. Hey, we're all human. We're going to miss it. We're not perfect. So don't beat yourself up about that. But be quick to repent for what, where you've missed it and then work to say, how can, I, how can I serve those people better? How can I bring the best out in them? And then you do this evaluation of these things and you find these areas. You may find some things or you may not, you may not even know. Like, hmm, I'm not sure. And that's, that's not a bad answer. 
because that means you get to spend more time in his presence, letting him download into you. Because that's the best source of information of all, is to spend time in this, hearing what God has to say, and letting him speak into your heart. We can talk to you all the time. We can share your thoughts and things, but we have our own human perceptions that sometimes get into that as well. And so your best source of figuring out for you is to get in tune with the Lord and say, God, download into me. What, what do I need to address? What do I need to change? And then you may be looking for places, you know, I'll go back to the we need volunteers yeah, we said that a couple weeks ago, I know, for different things. And we do, because this is a training and equipping center. So we might say volunteers. You might see that we've changed the word to areas where you can serve. Because we're trying to find places where that you can, you can plug in and practice. Plug in and you can learn. And plug in so that you can be ready to be released and to, to go out. But maybe you don't know where you should serve what your gifts are, what opportunities are around. So I'm going to, here's some practical things. I'm going to talk to a, a few different ideas here. So one, if you don't know your spiritual giftings, places where you're strong and that could help you find a natural fit for where you should serve, I'll plug a class that we do, and I, it's coming up next month. It's actually called Discover You, and it is a spiritual gifts assessment class. And it's great to help you realize where you're strong, where, where you're at. And then from there to give you some practical ideas and areas within the church that you can serve, but also within the community, ways that you can get outside of yourself and help others. I love the rain, as long as it stays out there. As the facilities person, I can say that because it has rained in here once before. So... Uh, another idea, you may have seen over the last couple weeks, uh, as you go out, you may have seen posters and things. We have missions trips coming up, short-term missions trips. We also do regional and local outreach on a monthly basis where you can go to the inner city and, and feed the homeless and those that are less fortunate. You have the opportunity to not just give them a meal, but an opportunity to pray over with them, to, to pray over them, to get to know them, to be able to minister to them. But you can also go on these short-term missions trips to see other parts of the world. One, you can see the love of Christ in so many different ways that you've never seen before. I've always heard, almost inevitably, every missions trip, when people come back, they say, the missions trip changed me more, it changed me more than I think it impacted the people that we went to minister to. Again, because we're being a Christ-like example, we're going out and serving others. We're sharing love. How could it not impact us? How could it not change us? Another great place that you can plug in is life groups. That's something that we, we've talked about, talked about, sorry, that we've talked about over the last year especially in really helping you find a place where you can build a community of people. Because this size group is, is not hard to know everybody, but I can't know you on an intimate level. I can't help speak to every single life in here on a, a very personal level to help challenge you to grow. Now I can 
I can go through and pray, Lord, okay, give me some words for each of these people and things like that. But there's nothing more powerful than a group of people that sit in a room week after week or every other week or a couple times a month, and they get to know each other, and they build that bond of community. It also creates a support network for people when you're struggling or when you're dealing with the thought processes and you've lost sight of some of the promises God's given you. You have a support structure that can say, hey, wait a second. We're right here with you. We know what you're going through. And they can help bring you back. So if you've, if you've never gotten involved with a life group here, I would challenge you to do that. The cool thing is the different forms of life groups that we have. Um, Pastor Kurtz called them firehouses, waterhouses, and lighthouses. So firehouses are like interest-based groups. So if you like to go hiking or biking, uh, there's biking being bicycling or motorbiking, we actually have both, uh, things like that. There's waterhouses. If you want to do more of the Bible study format where you're getting into the Word or you might do a book or you might do a DVD series and things that then get you into a conversation, that's kind of what the waterhouse groups are. And then there's the lighthouses. And those are our, the, well, they're all fun. I won't say that those are the funnest ones. Because those are the ones where you're ready to say, hey, let's, let's get out. Let's go out and make a difference. Let's take our group, maybe go to the mall, walk up to people and say, hey, can I give you a word? And watch what the Lord does. At the end of each day, we have to look at and ask the Lord, Lord, how, or at least I say we, I'll say I. I know at the end of the day, I say, Lord, how did I do today? Help me see the areas where I didn't exemplify a Christ-like attitude. Help me see the areas where I could have served others better. Help me see the areas where I adopted an old thought process because it felt good, it was comfortable, or I liked it because somebody said something nice. I'm like, oh, yeah. It's always nice to get a compliment. It's always nice to be praised for our work, praised for our love for our family. But if we grow to a point where we only exist for that particular word, we're missing out on so much more that God has to offer by plugging into him. There's probably plenty more places I could suggest for plugging in. And I'm looking around to see how many pastors in here. They'll be like, wait, you didn't mention. No. Um, but there are opportunities. But remember, again, it's not just for inside these four walls. This is where we want to equip people and then send you out. We want to make a difference not, not just in these four walls. Because we're called to have an impact in this area in this city, in this state, in this country, on this continent, and ultimately the world. But we can only do that if we all are part of the family and we're all growing each and every day more and more like him and allowing our thought processes to be divinely driven. Can I pray for you?
Lord, I just thank you for tonight and this opportunity to share just some thoughts that you, you had downloaded to me, Father God, on just my heart even sometimes, and just how we can continually grow more into the image that you've created us to be, the image of you, Father God. And Lord, I just pray that the words spoken tonight would go deep into the hearts, Father God. Anything that was my own words, I just pray that they would be forgotten. Lord, but anything that's from you, Lord, I pray it would just be a deep seed that was planted in their hearts and would grow to maturity, Father God. And I just thank you, even as the rain is coming down, I feel it just washing off some of the thoughts, the ideas, the practices, the things that we have found ourselves stuck in, that sometimes we use as our mode of existence. Father God, it's just washing it away. And I ask that you just would replace that with the revelation of your power, of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your anointing, of your calling, of your destiny, of your purpose over each and every life in here tonight, Father God. Lord, I thank you for the hearts that are in here. Lord, I just thank you that you're, you're softening the hard hearts, Father God, that we all have a deeper sense of the love that you have for us and the love that you want us to have for those that we come in contact with, that our eyes would be open to see as you see the people that... As we even leave tonight, Father God, maybe we go to the gas station. Maybe we have to go to the grocery store. In the morning, we stop at the coffee shop. Lord, may we see the people as you see them. And may we be moved with such compassion that we want to exemplify that Christ-like model of going out and being a servant. That we want to love on those that we come in contact with. Father, we give you this night tonight. And we just thank you for for what you're doing in and through us and that no matter what, we have an encounter with you every time that we come to this place, Father God. And then we can have an encounter with you every time that we get in our car, every time that we go home. And we're so grateful that we have that opportunity. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, I'm going to share part four of what's on your mind and it's going to be the attitude of gratitude. And then in two weeks, uh, May 31st, Brian Finnamore is going to be with us again. So uh, looking forward to that. So God bless you guys. Thank you for being here tonight. If you need prayer for anything else, I know we prayed for healing and things.